let there be more of your spirit here, Father. God, we want to get what you're saying to us. We want to receive the love you're trying to pour out to us right now. We want to receive it with reckless abandonment, Lord. Father, we love you. We need you. Be here, Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you. You could be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you guys know that I always ask for like a, a fresh anointing for second service because I just don't want to be a good repeater of information because it's a different group of people. There's different bodies in here today. Um, but this is the group that we get to fellowship with this morning. Um, Jesus Christ Fellowship being a family is huge. Huge. Very big. Because we don't, we don't just want to say that. We want to be the representation of that. We have families in here. Okay? Some of seven. Some of two. Some of, you know, everything in between. Some of ten. Our ability to love each other like a family is, is also equally important. Because we can be a family here on Sunday morning, but when the rubber meets the road and somebody needs something, that's when I, I hope that we pipe up. Are you with me this morning? And so in that light, I know that I've come from the first part of the year saying, I'm not really much of a resolutioner, dude, but we're going to get real good at taking care of each other. Like, that's what Jesus Christ Fellowship is going to be about. Um, the Lord has since really just opened my eyes up to where that starts. Where does that begin? For even a family who's not here, it's the same principle. Where does it start? Where does it begin? To be honest with you, where does it begin and where does it end? You would think to yourself, oh, well, there should be no ending. Well, you're right, kind of. But if you think about who God is, he will oftentimes start you according to where he wants you to finish. Does that make sense? So in essence, there's, a, there's an end to you and I. There's a back side, there's a front side, and there's an all-around side. So I'm speaking about it from that connotation. Where does it begin and where does it end? He wants us to look just like him when we're done. Right? That's what, that's what scripture says. But at the foundation of all of it, there's got to be an understanding of who we are in Christ, of who Christ is in us, who I am, period, and then this last one, who God is, and that's it. Letting God be God. He never asked us, asked us to be God. Do you hear me? Can I get maybe some head nods on that one? Uh, yeah. My head nodding crew? Yeah, what up? <laughs> We're jumping into the last part of the book of Romans. Excuse me. The 12th chapter of the book of Romans. We've been on this chunk of scripture, verses 14 through 21, for, for a while. And what I've been doing is I've been reading this chunk of scripture and then I've been taking two or three scriptures and highlighting and blowing them up. We're, we're actually going to finish the book of, the book of, I got to keep, I got to stop saying that, the, the, the chap, chapter 12 of Romans today with the last few verses, 19, 20, and 21. 
But before I get to that, for those of you who know what we do here at ESS, we preach entire books. We preach whole books. The one that I was privileged to come in on was um, Nehemiah. And I wonder, I think before that, Rick, if you could tell me, was it Haggai that we went through before Nehemiah? Now we're here in the book of Romans. I'm pretty sure, I'm like 98.7%. I don't know where the other percentage went. Just don't know yet. Gonna go uh, jump into the, the book of Ephesians. Because the book of Ephesians and the book of Romans in their makeup are similar. Uh, it's not like it's repeating information. It's giving us more. I've told you guys that the entire book of Romans is 11 chapters of doctrine. And then chapter 12 is like, okay, therefore, you got this. Now here's how to live it. Well, the book of Ephesians is roughly the same. You get through three chapters of Christ being explained as there's building imagery into body imagery. And then here's how you live it out. Here's how you walk in it. Um, what I want to be able to do is kind of sprinkle in Ephesians as we finish up the book of Romans. Now, you guys know it took us 12 months to get through 11 chapters. We might not get to Ephesians till next year. Who knows? Or at least the summertime. I don't know. However the Lord wants us to walk through this thing. But there's scripture in Ephesians particularly chapter 4 that I'm going to highlight this morning. I got verse 15 in your bulletin, but I'm going to read verse 16 and continue with this intro a little bit more. But are you guys with me this morning? Where does this conduct towards each other, this love, this being a family, what's at the foundation of it? What's at the, the beginning of it? What's at the end of it? Now see, in verse 16 of chapter 4, in the book of Ephesians, it says this. It says, From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, halfway through this verse, after it says, by what every joint supplies, it says, according to the, watch this, Proper working. Now, of each individual part. Now, let me say this. Who are the, the individual parts? Yeah? Hey, come on now. I hear you. If you're an individual part, just raise your hand. All hands should go up. There we go. Amen. Hallelujah. Each individual part is everybody in the church. Not only just everybody here in Jesus Christ Fellowship, but every congregant or congregation that's meeting right now, the church at Fort Collins, all of the churches in Fort Collins, up and down the front range, the state, the nation, and the world. That's each individual part. But the proper working of that, man, what does that look like? Have you ever worked properly? <laughs> Some of us would be like, well, you know, I think. I kind of know what that looks like, but I don't know if this is it or if that's it and what rubric I'm trying to follow. But if you look at chapter 12 and the back half of the book of Ephesians, the proper working is in there. You got to ask us, we have to ask ourselves a question when we read chapter 12, are we doing this? Because if we're doing it, it's the proper working. Now, there's a lot to proper working, okay? Within your gift, exercising your gift accordingly. 
that's a proper working. How do you exercise that? Well, it's an, a message for another day. By way of the Holy Spirit, okay, we can get into that. But my hmm, passion, as I look at you guys sitting in your seats, is for you to work properly 100% of the time, 24-7, all day, every day. Are you with me? See, if we go through chapter 12 and we look at the proper working, well, take from um, verse 16 in Ephesians and, and look at that proper working, I believe this proper working is embedded in Romans 12. Because see, how can you work properly if you're not presenting yourself as a living sacrifice? How can you not work properly if you're not allowing your mind to be transformed? Does that make sense this morning? We aren't working properly when we have the mindset of thinking too highly of ourselves or having a haughty mind, a haughty, a haughty thoughts. I don't know, but about, uh, let me ask you guys this question. Is haughty just a weird word? Yeah, I feel weird saying it. <laughs> I got a, like, a bag of five or six words that I just really don't like. I think haughty might go in there because it's just awkward. Anyway, own personal rabbit trail. Bring it back. How can you work properly if you're stepping outside of your measure of faith? See, halfway through the, this chapter, the Lord's saying to us, I want you to exercise your gift accordingly, according to the measure of faith that's been given to you. See, y'all's measure of faith ain't the same as mine, but mine's not the same as you guys's. Your measure of faith isn't to get up here and preach. Unless the Lord is, your heart's burning as I say that, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor someday. But your measure of faith is according to what Christ put in you, meaning he has granted you everything that you need to, to do what he asked you to do. Most of the time, it's uncovering the stuff we've piled on and not, Lord, give me what I need. You guys know the difference between the two? Man, we pack our life with stuff. We pack our life with safe havens that become what? Prisons. We pack our life with stuff because we don't want to feel pain, so we insulate. And the Lord's saying, look, it's all in there. Just uncover it. How can we work properly when we aren't, when we are loving inside of hypocrisy? It tells us to love outside, love without hypocrisy. We need to bless and not curse. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We need to be like-minded. The proper working looks like being devoted to one another in brotherly love. Are you guys, you trucking with me this morning. The proper working of each individual part. See, when we get to verses 19, 20, and 21, which I'll read 14 through 21 here in a, in a second. If we don't understand, well, let me just say this. I believe that there is none more important foundationally in the proper working of each individual part than what we read in verses 19, 20, and 21. To not understand the essence behind what Christ, or uh, yeah, what Christ is saying to us, what God is saying to us in these verses, um, we misunderstand something about headship. We misunderstand something about the throne of God. We really do. Now let me say this as, as I continue uh, before I read this right quick. Um, God's butt is too big 
for that throne. For you or I to try to sit on it with him. You get what I'm saying? Some of you are like, oh, he's going to get all serious. Well, it is serious, but his butt is too big. He is the only one who occupies that throne. He's the only one who says, this is the way it's going to be, and I need you to follow that. Because guess what? I try to scooch over, say, Lord, let me just get a little bit. Can I get a, get a little piece up there? Get my finger on there? You know, just, can I just put my hand on it? Let me just put my hand on it. He's like, son, <laughs> I got it taken care of. But the reason why I'm saying that is because you know where fear comes from? Fear comes from not having a grasp on a present or future situation. You don't know the details. So sometimes fear will step in. And what do we do when we fear the unknown? We can either run the other direction or we try to take over and make sure that we figure out and understand all that's happening from beginning to end so that we don't fear it anymore, so that we just know, right? What do we begin to do? We start calling shots in our own life. Let me ask you this. How's that working out for you? <laughs> it ain't. I can guarantee that. I'll say this, that uh, I'm, maybe I can't speak for you guys, but I'm not good. I'm not even good at being the boss of my own life. I can't do it well. However, we have a society that says, do you. Self-made, working on me, hashtag 2018 resolutions, like, shut up with that. <laughs> ah, man, that stuff makes me sick. Because we have this narrative from the world that says you, do, you, can, you can do it by yourself, and you can't. We can't even do it without each other, let alone God. But I'm getting at this control aspect. We can't be a family if we're trying to control everything. But when we control, it's because we've lost sight of who sits on the throne. Are you with me today? You lose sight of the one who has it all orchestrated. Trying to say, you know what, let me just kind of get a say in what's going on here. He said, have you not seen what I've done with your life up until this point? Is that not enough? Because I got bigger and greater things for you according to my riches and glory. Do you guys get where this is going? All right. Let me read this scripture. I'll kind of continue through here. But this, this again is for, uh, verse 14 through 21. It says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation and never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now we understand this chapter to be broken up into three parts. I, I see it that way. I don't know if I'm trying to make something more of what's in scripture. Because I don't want to take scripture out of context. It's, I have no problem saying that I'm wrong. If I do that, I'll come back and, and fix it. Either you know during the week, next Sunday, whatever. But we see three sections here in dedicated service. The first two verses are dedicated service to the Lord. From 3 to 13, we see a dedicated service to one another going across the aisle. And there's hints of the, of, from 14 through 21 of not only dedicated service to one another, but dedicated service to people who are on the other side of the wall, outside of the walls. Okay? Now what I like about this whole chapter is that you can see in verses 1 and 2 and then verse 19 more so 19, also 20 and 21, some bookends. We start out talking about the omnipotence and the deity of God in verses 1 and 2. And he ends with the same uh, mentality, the same essence coming through what he's saying. And I mean that by this. Verses 1 and 2, there's a therefore. We know that there's 11 chapters of doctrine and then, okay, here's how you're supposed to live. Therefore, after all this doctrine, Paul makes a statement about not just recognizing the depth of Christ's sacrifice, okay? But he says, let your understanding of his mercies manifest itself in the form of you giving your life to him as a living sacrifice. Let your understanding manifest itself in giving your life right back to him. Why? Because it says present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But it says before that, by the mercies of God. If you do a word study on that word mercy, there is no way any one of us should be alive right now according to the sin in our life. Not even close. So from that standpoint alone, when he did what he did on the cross to take the gap that sin created and close it, a sufficient exchange would be our life right back to him because he gave his for us. No one else could have done that. No friend, no child, no animal. It was him. So he's saying, because of what I've done, just present yourself as a living sacrifice. See, that, that's a God thing. That's a deity thing. That's a, uh, him showing his deity omnipotence. And then also be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. We've gone over these verses before. But it's for a purpose. This verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that, here we go, the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and, and perfect. I'm going to go back and say, God's butt is too big for that throne. Do you know that his will reigns all the time? There is not a time in this world where his will has not come to fruition, or it has not made itself perfect. Now, finding out what God's will is, man, we got to press into that. 
if it looks like his character, if it sounds like his character, if it looks like the word, the spirit, like Jesus, hey, his will. But the purpose of us being transformed is to be a representation of his will in us. See, that's a God thing. That's a deity omnipotence thing. You trucking with me this morning? Hey, yo, head nods. What's up? Both of these bookends, I guess, speak to his deity and omnipotence. Now, this is in essence a prerequisite, verses 1 and 2, to the proper working of each individual part. See, he put verses 1 and 2 in there for a reason. He's saying, you can't get to verses 3 through the rest of the chapter unless you come through the front door, 1 and 2, understanding something about who God is. 1 and 2, like I said, are a prereq to verses 3 through 21. Now, I'm going to repeat this first statement. I, I believe the, the posture of being rooted and grounded in the, the, the next bookend, 19 through 21, um, are paramount for the success in the, here we go again, the proper working of each individual part. We can't necessarily do 13 through 18 well if we don't understand what's underneath verses 1 and 2, what's underneath verses 19, 20, and 21. Again, 19 and 21 are the other bookend. Um, this other bookend, let me just, I'm, I'm going to read these three verses right quick. Verse 19, and actually... Um, yeah, I'm going to read verse 19. It says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, there's an explanation as to why he says what he says. He says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. None of that verse says, Let me give you about a week to respond to somebody who slapped you in the face, proverbially or like literally, I hope not literally, someone who's stabbing you in the back, I'll give you some time to kind of get your, your anger out and say some things out of complete emotion and then have to revisit it and say you're sorry and all, just, you know, get rid of that. He's saying, you know what, I'm going to take care of it. See, ladies and gentlemen, that is a God thing. Because we as, as humans have this emotion in us that the moment somebody does something to us, man, all you mothers in here, you got that mama bear button. It is like you see nothing but red. And you're going to get blood. I don't know how else to say it. I don't have that button. I'm sure I will when I have kids. Somebody hurts your family, what do you want to do? You want to hurt them. You want them to feel what you're feeling. How many times have we watched movies and there's some guy who's been wronged and the beginning of the movie is him getting revenge and that's what the rest of the movie is about and the opening scene is like, oh, I want him to hurt like I hurt. Uh, just stop. That's what's being spoken to us. That's our nature. Christ comes in and he says, not only did I do something for you, your life should be an exchange. Let me just, just, just give me your life because... I'm the only one who could have done that for you. And my will is perfect. Nobody can thwart my will. But also, I'm the one 
who makes things right when somebody has wronged you. You know what's underneath that? Realizing that it is not your responsibility to make it right. It is God's responsibility. See, when you take things off of you and put them on, when you take your anger off, you take your situation off of you, you put it on God, helps you deal with your emotions. Now, I'm not saying go sin, 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 and sin, and then say, God, take care of it. I mean, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying somebody does something to you and you want to react out of whatever, put it on God's throne and let him take care of it because he's saying, I am God. Now, I'm going to make this statement as we continue. Stop playing God in your life. Stop. Stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to make decisions because you're, you're, you're trying to think, think three, four moves down the road so that you can kind of get yourself in a position where it's going to be successful and you can get the, the things that society says is, uh, equates to success with you know, houses, cars, family, whatever the case may be. All right? Stop trying to play God because it doesn't work. Do you know that you weren't created to do that? <laughs> you weren't created to make choices like that. The latter part of these three verses tell us what we're created to do. But are you with me up until this point? This message is about understanding that God is who he said he is. He will act the way he said he will act. And it is not our responsibility to try to do it the way he would do it. It's our responsibility to simply die to ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him daily. Amen? Yes, don't play God. You weren't created for that. Ephesians. We're going to jump back over to uh, Ephesians real quick. And this is Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. But I'm actually going to read just one scripture before that. And it's verse 18. We get that up on the screen now. Right on. Yes. This is another snapshot of who Christ is. Alright? It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. I'm going to stop right there real quick. By the time I get done reading this, I, this is, I'm going to pray the same thing. That the eyes of your heart see that God is God. And we leave him on the throne rather than trying to petition to get him off of there so that we can kind of call, call shots. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him where? At his right hand in the heavenly places, far above rule, far above authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. 
And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, verse 22, he put all things in subjection under his feet. And when we walk out of the door and we fear a God who has everything subject to him, we're different. We treat each other different. Because we walk out as if he's standing right next to us. Are you going to say some of the things that you say to people if the Lord was standing right next to you? Are you going to act the way that you act towards some people if the Lord was standing right next to you? I mean, it's, it, it, this is convicting. In the back of my mind, I got things that I want to say that I want to do. And it's like, oh, no. That's not going to change nobody. Everything in this world is under subjection to him. That is a God thing. Amen? So when we get that, when we understand that, we cease to play God. Again, this list surpassing greatness, his power, in accordance with the working, which is an active word, the working of his strength, the working of his might, the working of his power. Listen, that power that raised Jesus from the dead came from God. It didn't come from you and I. However, we have that same power in us. All right? Let's make sure we know that. But I'm talking about, man, let's let God be that powerful God because he's the one who called Jesus back out. He's the one who gave a lifeless body life again for the sake of you and I. But also placed far above any rule, all rule. Hey, placed far above the rule that hurt you back in the day placed far above all authority who may have misused that authority back in the day. See, Christ's over that too. All power that had been misused. Mis yeah, just misused. And you were the collateral. Your heart was the collateral because of that. All dominion. Every name that has been named over me, over you, 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 you. Not going to keep going. You guys. This side, that side. He has got over all of it. All of this speaks to one word, okay, called headship. And I've said that. What's up underneath verses 1 and 2, and what's up underneath the latter part of chapter 12, these bookends, is, is I can couch it in a question saying, do we really operate with God being God in our life? Do you let God be God? Because when we do, man, those verses come to light. They're illuminated in a different way. There's just certain things you're not going to do. There's just certain things you're not going to say. Because he says, look, vengeance is not on you. I'm not asking you to repay evil with evil. But I am asking you to do something which we'll get to here in a second. Now, the next verse that supports this headship, Christ is the head and no one else can be that head, is another Ephesians 4, verse 15. Um, can we get that up on there? And it just says this, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. To him who is the head, even Christ. So again, that speaks to Christ's 
sole ownership of the throne. And how do we know there's only one throne? How do we know that all roads lead to Christ's throne? If you would turn to me to Revelation, it speaks about this in Revelation 4, giving a, a picture, a depiction of the throne room in heaven. You, you ever want to read the Bible and have your head spin? <laughs> Go read Revelation. But when you slow down, that's the, the Wednesday night Bible study, which has been so fruitful in the past, what, 27, 28 years? <laughs> Jeez. Ah, it's taken a while. But uh, this is a depiction of the, the throne room in heaven. And it says this, I'm just going to read from verse 1, our text is verse 2, um, but I'm going to read all the way through verse 4, and it just says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately, verse 2, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. One sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. I don't know if I said that right. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Like an emerald in appearance, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden uh, crowns, wow, on their head. I literally almost just said clowns. That's bad. But here's a depiction of this room, and here's where we get to the title of this message. That regardless of what's all in that room, do you realize that every seat is occupied? There's one throne up there. Yes, it says there's 24 thrones, but there's, there's other 20, let me say this, there's 24 butts in those other 24 thrones. And he, that's the way he set it up. But we see the scripture pointing to what heaven is, what the throne room in heaven is. There's just one seat. And I got to ask y'all the question, who is on the seat of your life? Is it you? I'll tell you what, for me, there's some places that it's, it's the Lord. And I can say that. And those are, the, those are the places I want everyone to see. Look at, hey, Jesus on throne of my life. <laughs> but hey, everybody in here, you know there's some places that it's like, look, I need to check that. I need to look at that. I am trying to share deity with God. Man, that is an arrogant statement. Let's break it down to really what it is. You're saying, I can do this. I'm saying, I can do this just as good as you can. And that's something that we may need to back off from. But the title of this message says, The Throne Room, There's No Vacancy. You know what no vacancy means? There's no, hab in it. There's no habitable space. Now, understand me when I say that it's not that we can't enter his presence. Or enter the throne room and be next to him, okay? He's saying, my seat is my seat. Your seat is your seat. I've given you so much that comes from my seat. But you weren't created to sit where I sit. See, when we get to that, 
it brings us back to an alignment with his heart, with Christ, who Christ is, so that then our conduct is not us-centered, man-centered, but it's Christ-centered. Does that make sense this morning? The throne room, the, the seat, there's no vacancy up there. I mean, he, he don't even want you like, you know, Lord, can I just, can I lean on it? Can I just lean on it? Like, nah, buddy. The way that he brings vengeance will produce more, not only for that person or and you or that situation in your situation, it will produce more healing in that situation than we could ever manifest on ourselves. Does that make does that make sense when I say that? When he does it, it turns out way better. Way better. Because the way I would do it would be like, all right, I want you to hurt for this and I want you to hurt more. And I want you to hurt more and more and just kind of pine over it or you know, let it just churn in there for a while. But see, the Lord has other people on his mind just as much as he has you on his mind. He's worried about them coming to the cross. He's worried about them and their proper working. The reason why vengeance is his is because he's coming back for all of us. Not just the ones who uh, didn't hurt me. <laughs> Which is the way I would think about it, right? Come on. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Again, don't play God. You are not created for that. But there's actually a, a huge, a mighty, mighty love story in these scriptures as well. I'm going to read verses 20 through 21, and then we're going to get back to this love story. Well, no, let me do it the other way around, just like he was leading me to do it. See, there we go. I'm just trying to do stuff on my own. He's like, no, do it my way. My, my dad has nine siblings, seven of which are still alive. He was the baby of ten, six brothers and three sisters. Now, two of those brothers are the ones that have passed away. Um, but he's the baby of ten, and that basically means that everyone did everything they can to protect the baby of the family, right? The baby was born with the silver spoon in their mouth, the baby of the family. I, I was that. Hey, yo. Thanks, mama. Um, but being the baby of ten, like, you mess with one, you mess with them all. So there were stories that my dad would tell me that, you know, he got into some kind of altercation at school, and his, my uncles, his brothers would come in during school. And my dad asked him to point the, whoever it was, and one of my uncles went up and just took care of it. I won't tell you what happened, but just took care of it, all right? See, the thing is, when you mess with one of God's children, you're messing with him, too. My brothers or my uncles with my dad were just like, hey, get behind me. Let me take care of this. Vengeance is mine because I want to protect you. Do you realize that God is the same way? He's saying, I need to be out front. There are some things that have happened to you that I don't want to let happen ever again. So what I need you to do is I need you to let me proceed. Let me be out in front and just get behind me. I'll take care of it. 
I'll be the one who goes and handles whatever altercation there was. See, to me, that's a love story. He's not only giving us a command, but he's saying, the reason why I want you to do this is because I love you that much. But here's the deal. While you're standing behind me, I don't want you to just stand for the sake of standing. See, the Lord doesn't like idle feet or idle hands unless he tells you to do so. He doesn't tell us to do so in these scriptures. He gives us verses 20 and 21 as to how we're supposed to conduct ourselves while he's out front. And it says what? But if your enemy, the one who slapped you in the face, is hungry, I want you to go to McDonald's and get him a hot and spicy, all right? I want you to get some food together. Serve him. What? You want me to serve somebody who just tried to take something from me? Yeah. Feed him. And if you're thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know what that means? In doing so, you're just going to kill him with kindness. You're just going to kill him with kindness. As you stand behind me, as you understand that me, I am God, and there is no room for you on my throne, what you do while not being on my throne is simply just loving one another. Regardless of what somebody does to you, no matter how hard it is. You may not like it. It may not be fun. It may not even be comfortable. But all of those three have a foundation of self. When you just do it because you know Christ has it taken care of, and your problems are not your problems, they're his problems, it releases you from any kind of emotional rejection. Or let me just say it the other way. Rejection that might cause some kind of emotional upheaval. You with me this morning? Amen. Now I believe that this last... This last verse is where the ministry is. See, it's one thing to come in here and kind of sit, listen. I say this all the time. But when the rubber meets the road, like what comes out? When in the tough times, what comes out? I believe that the ministry, not only in here, but outside of these walls, is in verse 21 when you say, when the, when the scripture says, do not be overcome by evil. See, that's our responsibility. But overcome evil with good. There's, there's a ministry aspect of, uh, of that statement. For us to be able to step into that. Uh, to do that. To not be overcome by evil. We got to understand who Christ is. We got to understand his throne. We got to be... Uh, Presenting our bodies as living sacrifices and transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not thinking too highly of ourselves, but using our gift accordingly. Loving without hypocrisy. Being devoted to one another in brotherly love. Blessing when we need to bless. Not cursing. Rejoicing. Being of the same mind. Having peace in our heart towards all men. And letting God be God. Letting the, the Father be the Father. So my, 
my uh, appeal to you this morning, as we kind of get ready to close here, let's let's get ready for our offering. Uh, as we close this morning, my appeal to you this morning is to search your heart in this moment right now and ask the question: Is he God over your entire life, all of it? Because if he's not, that, that might need some attention. And the areas in which we feel as though, well, we, we, we may know what parts we keep from him. I would ask you to ask him to show you the parts that you don't know that you keep from him. The parts that you say, oh, well, I thought I was doing good in this area. So that there might be some healing. So that there might be some what? Some proper working of each individual part. So that there is no disease, there is no gangrene. And the body of Christ can look just like a family, can look just like his bride. The way she's supposed to. It's, it's a hard thing to look in the mirror. It's an even harder thing to see something that gets exposed and then change it. It's an even harder, harder thing to have the courage enough to maintain that change. But that only happens by way of Christ, by way of his spirit. You guys can come up here. Um, yeah. I'm going to pray for this offering and then hand the microphone over to Rick because I believe he has kind of the administration for how we're going to close this. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we continue to walk with you, Lord, how we perceive you as our father is, is so crucial. We don't want to perceive you as a father some of the time or a God some of the time. We want to have a heart and a mentality and a, a, just a conduct, a behavior that shows and knows that you are God all of the time in our lives. And so I pray for that change if it's not there. And as we take up this offering, Father, you're even God over all the money. You're God over all the resources. It, this is a way that we can um, worship you and, and just show you, Lord, that we trust you. Maybe up underneath all of it is a trust thing. So, Father, I just pray that you would bless what gets put in the offering and that, Father, it would be something that uh, glorifies you and that hearts would give joyfully. Um, and, yes, just have your way. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. you know, the first service today, um, uh, Jim, uh, one of the Jims came up to me, and uh, if, over the years I've known him, he brings me jokes, little cute little jokes he cuts out of magazines or whatever else, and this morning he, he brought a poem. He's never brought me a poem before. And so we were just kind of goofing around and, and I, I looked at it and I started to read it. Man, I teared up like right now. Because what was in that poem was so specific to what was happening in a situation he really didn't know about. And if he does, he doesn't know the depth of it. But man, he brought this specifically to hand it over this, this morning. He had no comment about it. He just handed it to me. You know, sometimes in unlocking this next step of our lives, because sometimes
go to church and we we check the box, been to church, okay, and we 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 hear some things, some things stick with us. But sometimes God wants to to bring about a track, a, a place, a, a, a start, an unlocking for some of us who have built kind of a thought about ourselves in regard to even the message today. It was a great message. Now it's as something as a body we can go forward in. But God wants to unlock something in our heart, I believe. And we can go home, contemplate, or we've made notes about it, whatever. But sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need help. Somebody else that comes and brings something from God that specifically deals with that next step. And it kind of surprises us because really that's the function of the body is to do that for one another. So this morning as we close, that we together are the benediction. Go ahead and look around. Look around the room, right? Just look around the room a little bit. Let somebody catch your eye. Let somebody you don't know. And, and if you don't want to do this, you certainly don't have to. But then you get to this morning if you so choose. That to get out of your seat and go find somebody you don't know that well, which should be pretty easy to do. And just pray for them. Don't say, well, what can I pray about this morning? That's an okay thing to do. But for this morning, just, just you know, just, just ask them, can I put my hand on your shoulder or, or can I and pray for you or can I just can I just pray for you? And just whatever you got. You may start out with God make sure they have food in the fridge or whatever it is that you start out with, but you're gonna bring something to each other that's already God put in you for today. Does that make sense? Alright? It's pretty easy. It only costs eleven dollars to do this. That's not true. Why don't you stand up and go to that person and just sit down with them? Or you can stay there, and I guarantee you somebody's probably going to come up to you. And let the Lord just minister to each other this morning. Amen.